Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household are doing well and blessed in the name of Jesus. I want to continue talking about healing the sick. We are, you know, we are, we are talking about the atonement. We are talking about the realities of redemption. So we talked about, we started by talking about the gift of salvation, about the gift of righteousness and the power of the new creation, the new birth in Christ Jesus. Then we talked about how Jesus paid the price for us uh, at Calvary so that we can both be saved and be healed. Then we talked about the ministry of Jesus and we talked about the ministry of the apostles and uh, we have done 26 lessons so far. So this is getting exciting. And now I'm going to talk to you today about believers healing the sick, believers how we as believers can uh, can uh, minister to the sick because it is part of our man our mandates because Jesus said in Mark chapter 16 he said that these signs shall follow them that believe and among the signs that shall follow us is that we shall lay our hands upon the sick and they shall recover so healing the sick is part of our calling and our mandate so now but before I go into that as I've done so every day I'll share a little testimony with you, uh, fantastic little story. Uh, this happened in the Ukraine when the Soviet Union first opened up and, you know, Ukraine became an independent nation. So I went there, did a, a couple of crusades. And this is from one of my crusades. Uh, it was in the middle of the winter. It was like minus 26, minus 30 outside. So we were indoors. And uh, what happened one night, there was a guy, he... He, he came into the, I mean, the place was packed up, packed out. And he came and stood in the back of the crowd. Now, this is what he told me later. This is his story. He stood in the back and he used to uh, attend a, a school of occult healing. You know, in Russia and Ukraine, there, there used to be, and there still are lots of occultism. So he was, he, you know, he, he was learning to be an occult healer under some, some you know, you know, they don't call it witchcraft, but that's what it is. They called it whatever. So he was learning to be a spiritual healer. And he said, I was very sensitive to spiritual things and all that. So he says that uh, I came to your meeting and uh, I stood in the back and I saw demonstrations of the power of God. And I've never seen anything like it in my life, but I got scared and I left because I'd never seen anything like it. We had blind, lame, deaf people healed. So it was powerful. So, uh, and this was in an ice hockey stadium. It was indoors. So he said he stood in the back, saw it, he got scared and he left. And then he said the next day, what happened, the ice hockey stadium wasn't available to us. So we moved it to uh, some kind of huge uh, civic center type of place. They call it the Doma Cultura. So we were there. So he showed up there and this is what he said. He said, I stood in the back and I didn't, you know, I was scared, but I, something drew me there. I was watching and then he said, you, uh, you called forward people who wanted to give their lives to Jesus. And uh, he said, I hadn't even thought of that. But suddenly it was like my legs started moving by themselves. And I found myself walking up the aisle. And the next thing I knew, I was standing in front, a, right with all these other people. And then he says, and then uh, you stretch your hands out, he said to me. And then you said, in the name of Jesus, he said, the moment you said the name of Jesus, it was like my eyes closed. And the next thing I knew, I was on the floor. 
and uh, and your your voice the word jesus jesus was echoing in my mind when you said in the name of jesus the name jesus was echoing in my mind and i felt all these black like birds like crows flying out of me scores of them flying out of me and uh, suddenly uh, i was no longer black on the inside i was like white on the inside i was clean then i opened my eyes and i felt new something new had happened to me I gave, so I decided this is the path I'm going to walk. So I'm going to follow Jesus. Well, I met the guy, I think I met him six months later. He was in church and he had written beautiful worship songs. I mean, he had a musical talent and he had written beautiful worship songs and he was a worshiper and he was serving God and, and God had done a wonderful thing in his life. Now, you know, we talk about healing miracles, but this is the greatest miracle of all. When a person like that comes out of total darkness and he comes to Jesus and he gets saved and he gets set, set free and serves Jesus. So this was a wonderful, wonderful uh, thing that happened. So anyway, let's let's talk about believers healing the sick. Now, when I talk about believers healing the sick, there's a fundamental premise that I want to share with you, uh, which is like a foundation for believers who want to do the work of Jesus. And that the and the scripture I want to share is Luke chapter nine, verses six and seven. And and this is the the backdrop to the story is that Jesus called his twelve disciples. And he sent them out to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. And then it says, he told them to preach the gospel and heal the sick. This was the commission he gave them. And it says in verses 6 and 7 in Luke 9, And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because that it was said of some that John was risen from the dead. Now, I don't know if you see this. This is interesting because the uh, disciples, the apostles of Jesus, Jesus sent them out. He gave them power to cast out devils and heal the sick. And it says they departed. Who departed? They, the disciples, the apostles of Jesus, they departed and they went through the towns. They went from town to towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So who were the ones who were preaching the gospel and healing people? It was the disciples. They are the ones who were doing the works of Jesus. Now, the news began to spread through the streets and in the towns. And normally when something like this happens, the last place to hear the news is the royal palace. The king is normally the last one to hear this. And by the time the news reached the palace, Herod, the king, this is what he heard. He says, verse 7, Now Herod, the tetrarch, heard of all that was done by him. Now, this is very striking because Jesus sent out 12 disciples and the 12 went out preaching the gospel and healing the sick and casting out devils. Miracles were happening. But by the time the news reached the palace, Herod, what he heard was not that there were these 12 men who were healing the sick, but he heard that it was one man who was healing the sick. It was Jesus. He heard of what had been done by him. So now you tell me, how is it that there were 12 men sent by Jesus preaching the gospel, healing the sick, not Jesus, but these 12 men. Yet when the news reached the palace, 
what Herod the king heard that it was Jesus. It says he heard what was being done by him. Well, there's only one plausible explanation. And the explanation is this, that the disciples of Jesus were so, excuse my using that word, so obsessed by making sure that the people heard that it was not them healing the sick, but it was Jesus who was doing it. And they made sure, although they are the ones who are praying for the sick and, you know, laying hands on people, people getting healed, they wanted to make sure that the people understood that they had nothing to do with this, but this was actually Jesus. That is why Herod heard that it was Jesus. Now, I'm saying this, this should be a fundamental premise for us because, uh, you know, when I, when I uh, started in ministry, I started praying for the sick. I got baptized with the Holy Spirit in early 1980. It's been 40 years of Pentecost in my life. And, uh, and I began to pray for the sick. And the Lord told me one thing. He said, I will use you if you promise me these things. Firstly, never use the things that I do through you to promote yourself or your ministry. You promote me and point to me and I will take care of you. The second thing he says, never use the things, the testimonies of what I do for financial gain. So these are things we have to remember because we live in America. Listen, in America, anyone who God uses, he will take those miracles, those testimony to gain mileage for himself, to become famous, to build a ministry. That is a no-no. If you don't believe me, then you should stop listening to me because I'm not going to lead you down that path. I want to tell you, God will use us. He will give us everything, but there is one thing he will never give us. He will never give us the glory for the things that he has done. That belongs to the Lord alone. Anytime the Lord uses you and me, we should always stop and give all the glory all the honor and the praise and not let any of them stick to us. The only thing that should stick to us is his love for us, is the wonderful salvation he has given us, his provision and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These wonderful things that he has given to us, we keep for ourselves. But the glory and the honor and the praises should always go to Jesus. So the disciples were that way. They wanted to make sure that everybody knew that it was not them, but it was Jesus. And may it be the same with you and me, my friend, that people may know that it is not us, but it is this Jesus of Nazareth who does the miracles and he does them through us. So that is the foundational premise, I should say, to Pentecostal ministry, to believers praying for the sick. If you want to embark upon that life where you're going to pray for the sick, you want to see sick people to, sick people to be healed, you must make this covenant with God that, Father, I will only give glory to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I will make sure that people understand that I have nothing to do with this but only Jesus. If you do that, believe me, there's no limit to how much God can use us. Praise God. Now, uh, this is the... And then, then who can God use? Well, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses uh, 
26 to 31. For see, you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen, yea, the things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. You know, it's plain here. God has chosen the foolish things of the world. God has chosen that which is nothing. So I am like that. I'm one of the foolish things of this world. I'm one of those people who's nothing. And we uh, we are the people who are privileged to be chosen by God, to be used by God. When it comes to Pentecostal ministry, that's the kind of people God uses. So, you know, you and I may not be very smart. We may not be great scholars and we may not know, have a lot of head knowledge. But if our hearts are right, we are passionate about Jesus, passionate about the scripture. And we stay to the scripture and we take the Bible as it is. Uh, then believe me, God can use you and me. So it's important that we you know, that we make sure that we walk on that path because God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. Why? It says in the last verse, verse 31, so that nobody, nobody can say, well, I did it. It is because of my great learning or I, I know this much or I am this, that and the other. No, it's not because of us. It is so that Jesus Christ may be glorified. That is why he chooses to use that which is foolish, that which is base, so that people may understand it is not this person, but it is Jesus. Amen. So that's the fundamental premise for a man or woman who wants to be used by God in Pentecostal ministry. Now, fundamentals of ministering healing. Now, there's two ways of ministering healing when you and I minister to people. And one is by the word. And the other is by the Spirit. Now, the Word and the Holy Ghost always work together. Now, the, 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 the difference is this. By the Word, when we minister by the Word, we do it by teaching, preaching, building up faith in people's hearts. That is, we preach, you know, you, like for example, when I'm asked to go and preach, uh, uh, you're sorry, to pray for somebody in a hospital or in a house, and I always take a Bible with them, or, or I borrow a Bible from them and I open it and read scriptures. You teach them the word. And then, uh, because when you put the word out, uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So when you share the word with the sick person, their faith rises. And then when you preach, you know, uh, the word they're receiving. And then uh, when you pray, they receive by faith because the word has built up faith. So that is healing people by the word of God. The other way is by the anointing, by the gifts of the spirit. And that when you when, when that happens, uh, you go to someone's house or hospital, the gifts of the spirit begin to move and to flow and people get healed through that. Now, the difference is that when the gifts of the spirit are in operation and people are healed by the gifts, usually faith is not required on the part of the person who is being ministered to. You know, faith is not required because the gifts of the spirit work in such a way that there's no requirement for faith on the part of the person who, uh, you know, who is receiving ministry. But there's a huge difference. Here's the difference. Both healings are of God. 
person who is healed by faith in the word is healed by God. A person who is healed is, is healed by the gifts can is also healed by God. But here's the vital difference. The vital difference is this, that a person who is healed by the word, normally what will happen, say the next day or two days later, some of the symptoms of disease will come back on his body. And uh, so then because he knows the word, he will stand up on his covenant rights and he will say, devil, you cannot put this on me because Jesus bore my diseases, carried my pains with his stripes. I am healed. So I rebuke, I curse this thing. You cannot touch me in Jesus name. You see, he can do that because he knows he knows from the word what Jesus has done for him on the cross and he's standing on his covenant rights as a child of God so he can stand. Now, a person who has been healed through the gifts, because he has not been taught the word, he's healed purely through the gifts. What happens two days later, the devil comes back and symptoms come back. Then he says, oh my goodness, my sickness has come back. Oh, I've lost my healing. Oh, well, it didn't last. I've seen that happen also. So when people are taught the word, they, that healing is usually lasting because they know how to take a stand against the wiles of the devil. When people are healed by the gifts, they, 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 they usually can't stand because, you know, they are, don't have the word on them. So the ideal situation is this, is that always start and build on the word, teach and preach, never, never shy away from preaching to people, teaching people the word. And, uh, and then you, 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 this is how you do ministry. You, you always start and you build on the word, teach and preach the word, and then be open to the flow of the spirit and the gifts can come into operation as the father wills, you know, because the gifts always come into flow as the, you know, as, as the Holy Spirit wills. But Fundamentally, this is my suggestion. This is what I do. And this is what I would advise you to do also that <coughs> I'm sorry that you always build on the word, preach the word, teach the word, and then let the gifts flow. Right. Okay. Now, when you minister to the sick, when you teach people, uh, there's these following things you have to be sure of. Firstly, approach healing from God's point of view, not man's point of view. Man's point of view is that, yeah, Jesus is a healer and, you know, he can heal me. God can heal me. That's man's point of view. God's point of view is different. God's point of view is that Jesus Christ bore your diseases, carried your infirmities and pains upon his own self when he was whipped and bruised and beaten and crucified. And by his stripes, you have been healed. Not only you will be healed. You have been healed. It's in the past tense. That's what the Bible says. So that is you approach the subject of healing because see, whenever you approach the subject from man's viewpoint, you always get confused because then you come into this whole mess about, well, some people are healed. I also know some people aren't healed. Why aren't they healed? Well, maybe God doesn't want to heal everybody, but although Jesus bore our diseases, but sometimes, you know, you, you, you end up with a mess and there's no, you can't build solid doctrine on man's experience because man's experience is all over the place, but you can always build solid doctrine on the word of God because only the word of God is true. And the Bible says, let God be true and let every man be a liar. You cannot build it on man's experience. So only on God's 
Word of God. That's the first thing God to do. Approach when you're talking about healing to people. Approach it from God's viewpoint. Don't talk about your experiences or someone else's experiences. But always talk about what Jesus has done for people when he died upon the cross. The second thing is that we have to take God's word as ultimate authority. Don't say anything that the word doesn't say. Don't say, oh, so-and-so wrote a position paper and this is what he says. No, don't, don't even go there. Always give ultimate authority to God's word, okay? Because often a lot of these uh, things, you know, so-and-so said that he's a respected scholar and he said that and this was his experience. So-and-so had a healing ministry and he said that. You can't, you can't build on that. You can only preach and teach and build on the word of God. People, what people have experienced, like I share a testimony at the, at the beginning of every lesson. These testimonies can encourage you, but they cannot build you up. Only the word of God can build people up. Only the word of God can impart faith. People's stories or videos or visuals cannot impart faith. Only the word of God can do that. So God's word is in, uh, as ultimate authority and not only the subject of healing, but in every subject, whatever you talk about. Thirdly, help people see not that only that Jesus is a healer, not only that, not just that Jesus is a healer, but that Jesus actually bore everybody's diseases as their substitute. There's a big difference. It's not just that Jesus is a healer, but the fact is that Jesus Christ physically bore your and my diseases, the diseases of all mankind upon himself on the cross of Calvary. Get people to see that, not just that, oh, he's a healer, he can heal, but the fact that he is their substitute, he bore all of their diseases. Then, fourth, the, these are things you have to show people, make sure people understand. Fourth, God's will is revealed at Calvary when he bore our diseases. People ask, okay, okay, Jesus bore everyone's diseases, but is it his will to heal me? Yes, it is, because he bore your diseases upon the cross of Calvary. Why on earth would he bear your diseases upon the cross if he would want you to carry them yourself? He bore them as our substitute. So you have to help people see that. Number five, you have to make them see that God is more eager to see us well than we are. God is more eager to see people well than they themselves are. And number six, get people's eyes and fixation off the healing and instead look at their healer. Because sometimes people have been sick a long time. Their sickness has become such an obsession, has become such a mountain. And so you have to... Uh, you have to get, get their eyes off that and instead look at Jesus instead. So anyway, so the, these are some fundamentals and we will continue tomorrow and uh, about, you know, about the fu fundamental premises about ministering to the sick and healing the sick. But I want to share a story with you. Many, many years ago, uh, this is very personal and I usually don't share it from the platform, but I'm going to share it here in this context. Many, many years ago when I was new praying for the sick. I was so eager. I pray for everything that moved. And uh, then one day in a hospital, a young lady stood up 
and she said that uh, there's a little girl, she was a nurse in the hospital, she was friends with us, and she said um, there's, a, there, there's a little girl, nine or ten years old, and she's dying, her parents are not believers, and she's dying of cancer, please pray for her, and you know, so, uh, so I, I stood up, you know, I, I was so zealous, I just stood up, and I said, uh, oh, uh, I'm going to go to this girl's house and uh, I'm sorry, go to the hospital and God is going to heal this girl. And my wife was grabbing my arm, trying to get me to sit down, but I was just full of bluster. You know, I thought I was full of faith. So I said, I believe in the atonement. I'm going to pray for it. So anyway, everyone got, got quiet. So the next morning I went to the hospital. I called this girl. I said, I'm coming over. So I took a pastor friend of mine and the two of us went walking to the hospital. We were carrying our big Bibles, our oil bottle, and we were shouting in tongues. I mean, we were quite a spectacle. We went to the hospital shouting in tongues, and then we came out. We came to the ward, and this nurse met us. She took us inside the room where the girl was, and and so I said to the pastor friend, I said, well, we got to do this like Jesus did, and Jesus sent everybody out of the room, so I... I sent everybody out of the room and then we anointed her with oil, prayed for her and, you know, boom, we did all that. And then we came out and I told everybody, your daughter is healed. She's okay. Then I went back home. Well, the next day, the nurse called me and she said, the little girl has died. You know, I, my goodness, I, you know, I had shared that she would be healed with such bluster and hot air. And I was so, I didn't know how to handle this. I didn't, I didn't know, I, I, for three, four days, I didn't even leave our apartment. I was so ashamed to show my face and I couldn't understand how somebody like me who believed God could, you know, and I had declared in front of everybody, the girl would be healed and, and, and she had died. I, I didn't know how to handle this. So then, so I, I was crying, you know, I was just messed up. So I went on my knees, I began to pray, I began to ask the Lord. I said, Lord, why did she die? I believe your word, this is what your Bible says, the Bible says, and I believed and I had faith, why did the girl die? And then the Lord, he showed me like a path, a road. And this road, there was a fork there, one went to the left, one went to the right. And the Lord says, I'm showing you this road. This, and I saw it very clearly. It was like a vision. And one road, one, the left side of the fork, it says, this is the path that says, well, I believe in healing. I pray for the sick, but I don't know if God wants to heal everybody, but I'll pray for the sick anyway. And the other path, the Lord said, this is the path where you say, I believe that Jesus bore everybody's diseases, carried everybody's pains, and with his stripes I'm healed. And I believe that Jesus is, bore everybody's diseases, and I'm going to be fanatical about it. And the Lord says, this is the second path. Which way do you choose? I said, Lord, I choose the path where I believe your word, where I put your word above my experience. That's the path I choose. Uh, that's the path I always, I want to live this way. I want to put, exalt your word about my own experience with my feeling. And that's the path I choose. And then the Lord said, because you, this is what he said. He said, because you have chosen to believe my word in spite of your own experience that goes contrary to the word. Now I will show you why the girl died. Because if you had not 
chosen to exalt my word above my experience, I could have never shown you and you should have, you would have rationalized, made up a reason why this girl died and it would have been wrong. But because you chose to exalt my word above your own reasoning, above your own experience, I'm going to show you why, why the girl died. And the Lord began to tell me and it was embarrassing. The first thing he said that uh, you were prideful and arrogant. The way you stood before that crowd and you declared how much faith you had and how anointed you were and how many sick people you had prayed for and they were healed. The Lord said you were full of hot air and bluster and pride and arrogance because you thought because you had so many results, you were spiritually more superior to the congregation and that's what you were trying to do. And honestly, I wouldn't admit it because I was so prideful, but the Lord had to point it out to me for me to acknowledge it. I put my head down. I was alone in the room, but I was ashamed. Then the second thing, the Lord said, you didn't have faith. The Lord said, you had enthusiasm. And then the Lord said, I've never forgotten this. He said, son, faith produces enthusiasm, but enthusiasm by itself is not faith. You had enthusiasm, but you didn't have faith. Then the third thing he said, you had no compassion for that girl because you just flew in there, anointed her with oil and prayed. And then you walked out and you, you, you didn't care. You had no care. You had no tears in your eyes. There was no compassion for that girl or for her family. And fourthly, he said, you're more interested in seeing a, somebody healed from cancer. So that could be another feather in your hat. So you could say, hey, I prayed for a girl who got healed from cancer. That was your real motive rather than that girl's life. And that's why she died. You know, I, I cried. I lay on the floor and I cried because I felt at that moment I was backslidden. I really wept and... And I then decided that day, Lord, I'm not going to be like that. Please help me. That was a turning point in my life. Beloved, when we are going to do Pentecostal ministry, we'll go through those heartache moments. But let us be humble. Let us be broken. Let the Lord deal with our lives. Because as he deals with our lives, that is actually to help us minister to other people. Anyway, we'll talk more about this later. I've gone on too long. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Pray for your hand upon each one of their lives. Bless them. Use them mightily. Let your anointing rest upon them. Bless their families. Heal the sick in their homes, Father. Lord, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, and I'll see you tomorrow.